What's up, everybody? New episode of the Sons of Saturday. It is Wednesday, April 7th at 9.45 in the morning. That is in Utah, Park City, Utah, so that's Mountain Standard Time. Um, anyway, we got a fantastic episode lined up for you today. Uh, I got the opportunity to sit down with Dwight Vick, one of the best, one of the OGs, the OGs of Hokie Nation and Virginia Tech, uh, one of the voices of reason for sure. Got to sit down with him to talk about the Virginia Tech player engagement series. Uh, he actually was the moderator for the second installment of that, uh, which I thought was really awesome. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Virginia Tech cancellation of spring game again, what that means to fans, what that means to players, to give you some insight on that in general. But first, and as always, this podcast is brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy. Lord Jeremy Counts, the absolute man taking care of everybody. I know he's doing vaccinations. He's handling all of that. Um, flags, t-shirts, and coming very, very soon, one of our newest hires, our newest intern hires will be creating stickers, bumper stickers, game day stickers, magnets for your car, all sorts of cool stuff, and they'll only be available for purchase at Main Street Pharmacy. But you are more than a number. You are a neighbor at Main Street Pharmacy. They take great care of you. Cannot recommend this pharmacy enough. Um, so head on down, check them out. Hokey headlines. What do we got going on? First and foremost, hats off to my guy, Justin Robinson. Signed a 10-day contract with the Oklahoma City Thunder. His, in his first game, he had nine points, two assists, a rebound, and a steal in just 23 minutes of playing. They play Charlotte today, and they play the Cavaliers tomorrow. Uh, looking at the schedule, J-Rob's actually going to get a total of six games over the course of his 10-day contract, which is a lot. He's going to have an opportunity to really showcase his talents and um, put himself out there. So excited for him. Also really cool to see him sharing the backcourt, uh, or sharing the court, I'm sorry, with Ty Jerome. Uh, I know they're, they're pretty close, Ty Jerome from the University of Virginia. So that's pretty cool. Um, rooting for J-Rob. Glad he got an opportunity after having a fantastic fantastic uh, G League this year. So one of the most highly touted guys in the G League getting his shot. Love to see it. Moving on over to baseball. Virginia Tech baseball won yesterday 15-5 against Eastern Tennessee State. And Gavin Cross hits for the cycle with seven RBIs and a grand slam. He is the first Virginia Tech baseball player to hit for the cycle since Tim Smalling in 2010. So quite Quite the performance, quite the performance. Virginia Tech baseball, they're still rolling, so glad to see that. On the softball field, Virginia Tech women's softball, ranked 15th in America right now, touting a 23-6 record. They're balling also, happy to see that. I know they had some COVID issues earlier in the season, um, but we're able to continue that momentum and love to see that. A lot of movement across men's basketball. Uh, We had the absolutely phenomenal um, Final Four and then a not-so-phenomenal final. Uh, But Chris Likes, the point guard from the University of Miami, has committed to Arkansas today. So he'll be moving on over to Arkansas and out of the ACC, wishing him nothing but the best. What else do we have going on here? Uh, Speaking of baseball... I want to shout out the Hub Blacksburg one time real quick. It's the best spot to be in Blacksburg. And our brand ambassador, Lauren, is actually going to be doing an Instagram takeover at one of the upcoming baseball games. She'll be covering the baseball games at Dugout DGens, who we've been partnering with as well. Love to see you guys bringing the energy at English Field. 
but she'll fill you in on all of that and also make sure that you're up to date on all of the latest deals, initiatives, and stuff going on at the Hub. So shout out the Hub, Hub Blacksburg. Check them out. If you end up go, if you end up deciding to live there, let them know that the Sons of Saturday sent you. And uh, to finish, to wrap this up here, some uh, some closing notes. First and foremost, shout out to the Teller family. Wyatt Teller recently got married in the last couple days. Really, really happy for him. Um, having a, a phenomenal NFL career and starting a family as well. So shout out to Wyatt Teller. Um, we're also, the Sons of Saturday are going to be back on our Sunday schedule. It's on us. We got away from the Sunday schedule for a little bit. Been doing interviews and everything else, but the three of us will be back weekly, putting out episodes Sunday night. So stay tuned for that. Got some really cool stuff that we're going to be doing. Um, we're looking for the most important stuff that's happening around the Virginia Tech community, whether it's sports related, alumni related, um, town of Blacksburg related. Covering those weekly, uh, bringing on our writers who have just done a phenomenal job recently, or since we've gotten started, uh, putting out great content over a multitude of different topics. Covering that. Um, and also, I'm excited about this. I'm a big ringer guy, talk about it all the time, big Ryan Rossillo fan. And Ryan Rossillo, the end of all of his podcasts, has a life advice section. Basically, what we're going to do, we set up an email. It's lifeadvice at sonsofsaturday.com. Dating questions, finance questions, um, professional life questions. My neighbor's dog keeps peeing on my yard questions. How do I handle that? Right on in, we will all dive into the problem, keep it completely anonymous, and uh, give you our take on how to handle it. Really excited about this. Not sure how it's going to go. Not sure how long it's going to last, but we're giving it a shot. Life advice at sonsofsaturday.com. Excited to talk about it. Come on down to the campfire. Let's talk through whatever's going on. Um, Anything else? I don't believe we have anything else. Keep checking out the website. Sign up for the newsletter if you have not. Uh, We don't bombard your inbox. Justin Cates has picked that up and done a phenomenal job with the newsletter. You love to see it, but it'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on, whether it's latest articles, latest podcasts, or events. Events are coming up. Events are coming up. So please, please sign up. Check that out. Grayson Wimbish also did a revamp of our... uh, apparel selection on sonsofsaturday.com scroll to the bottom you can sign up for the newsletter on the bottom or you can check out our apparel on the bottom as well um some really really cool stuff love the joggers love the dugout dgens shirt and some surf club inspired stuff really really cool um but yeah shout out to all the folks that uh, have recently joined us on the intern program you guys are awesome you guys are killing it uh and we're still working through those applications as well so if you're listening to this and you reached out and haven't gotten back to you yet Worry not. We will get back to you as soon as possible. Um, but without further ado, here's Dwight Vick talking about player engagement, spring game, and some other topics. Looking forward to it. And we will talk to you again, all three of us, on Sunday night. Take care. everybody happy tuesday april 6th it snowed today in park city utah after skiing and 
sleeveless shirts the last few days. So excited to get uh, excited to get some snow here. But we're joined again, a recurring guest with Dwight Vick, graduate of Virginia Tech, 1994 to 1999, all-conference and team captain, founder of the Vict- of Victory Life and the Victory Life Youth Sports Program. Um, super excited to chop it up with you. First and foremost, Dwight, how are you doing? I'm great, man. It's good to be back on, man. And um, it's been a good week. We got great weather here in Northern Virginia right now. Uh, mm-hmm. 71 degrees and it was 70 yesterday. But you know how VA goes. It'll, I think it's supposed to be... Uh, wintry mix on Friday or something. So who knows? <laughs> well, we were just, we were just talking about this. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, if Pat's definitely going to listen back to this, Pat and I have a little bit of a disagreement on uh, the best season in Blacksburg. I'm, I'm a summer guy. I think fall's a little bit of a cop out answer. I love the summer in Blacksburg. Athletes know about the summer in Blacksburg. They got to spend it there every year. You get some time on your own. The weather's unbelievable. Yes. But what is your favorite season in Blacksburg, Virginia? Yo, you're putting me on the spot. So I'm going to tell you like this. It's funny because I was just talking about this mm-hmm. on my show, how much I love Blacksburg, like Southwest, but just being up there. So I'm from the 7-5, but I love it up there. It's a tie between spring and summer. Mm-hmm. I would probably give a slight edge to the spring because okay. it's just, man, like spring is, in Blacksburg is still – it could be like 75, but then at night you can still rock a jacket or a fleece with a hoodie and be comfortable. And um, it's just beautiful, man. Like, I know that sounds cliche, but Springs and Blacksburg get me every time. And for me, it's always the time I come back. Mm-hmm. I come back in the summer or the fall, but, you know, if it's a game or something. But the spring is when I always come back for the spring game. Um, I think a few years ago was the first time I missed a spring game in like 16, 17 years. Mm-hmm. Maybe longer. And um, when I come back, you know, it's just great weather. Um, even if it rains, it's not going to kill you with monsoons. It'll rain and it'll warm up again. And um, that's my go-to. That's my go-to to spring. My one argument against the spring, because the spring is awesome. And especially, you know, if you're if you live there or you're there as a student, that first day where it's like 70, 72, that first time you kind of break out of the winter, that's great. But my argument against is you get those weird days where it's like 42, <laughs> 38. Like I remember, I remember coming down to like graduation week. It was like, it was like 38 degrees in May. It's like, come on, we got, we got to get some consistency. No, no. You know what? That is the, that is a knock. And I, and I can't really, I don't have any, a comeback for you because that's the truth. Like I remember like one time, you know, not one time, several times I would go into class and come out and it would be snowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember some spring practices, you know, two days before, you know, you were feeling good because it was 79 or 81. And then the next practice, two days later, you know, we have the thermals on and the long sleeves. So, I mean, but I think for me, it's just a nostalgic of, as you mentioned, free time and anybody's ever played ball. We don't get much of that. So the summers, even though we're free to do ourselves, and again, I'm older than you, so it might be a change, change regimen now with the schedule, but you know, during my time, you know, with summer conditioning and summer school, summer classes. So I only went home like one session my first year at Tech and the rest of my four and a half years, I was there every summer. And summers was great though, because at the same time, as you mentioned, the weather is just on point. And then I remember just going downtown and hanging out and the students that were there in there for the summer, you know, you're just hanging out, going to different spots and the cookouts, you know, different teammates. And, you know, it's just a beautiful place to me, man. I like it all, though. I mean, I have yeah. my favorite, but I mean, even the winter, I didn't mind the winter. There were some brutal ones in the Blacksburg, though. There were some brutal ones. 
<laughs> the one thing uh, I think regimentally that changed probably the most, because um, it, 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 what I love about it is it's just, it's just, it's literally just ball and people who want to be in Blacksburg, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my freshman year, they had the NCAA rule where you had to be taking six credits, six credits in summer one and summer two. So that first, that, that first couple of weeks at camp, you're still taking six hours of class. And as a freshman, you're in class. So you're rolling into like, economics, you know, 1406. And then you got like business, business, something else. And then you're going to your first, this is after a lift. Then you're going to practice. You're going to practice again. That was brutal. They changed the rule where you actually don't have to take classes in summer two, which was a fantastic, fantastic change. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, um, but no, so I wanted to get together, talk a little bit about the player engagement initiative. And we're going to talk specifically about the one that you just led, uh, which is the second of a three-part series uh, that's been put together um, by the football program, has done a really good job. I want to shout out Samantha Stewart. I know we'll talk about her, but I want to start from the beginning um, and kind of talk to you. And we've talked about this offline before about where former players' heads were at in regards to player engagement before any of this was announced. Cause that has been one of the biggest issues um, or the Achilles heels really of what we've been dealing with. What were former players saying? What were they wanting um, before any of this was uh, announced? Yeah, that's a great question. So at the end of the day, I know you said start at the beginning, at the end of the day, no matter what program you go to, former players want to be respected and still be part of the program. Um, even if they played in the seventies, they want to be respected. And then, you have the situation where Virginia Tech, um, we're not, and I heard you on your podcast with you and Grayson and the crew talking, and I agree with you. Right now, we're working to get back, but we're not, we're not Clemson or Ohio State right now. We are a very respected program, and we're a great program, but we're not in that same category when it comes to those elite programs. But I think when it comes to the former player you know, engagement and what they wanted for years, it's just about being connected and what some of your listeners may not realize is there was a lot of blame thrown at coach Fuente and his staff and this is like when he first got there and with Babcock but that's unfair because you know again I've been around a long time the issues with the former player engagement and their roles within the program started um, the last few years of Beamer's regime and it's not about Beamer but it's just more so that there was a lot of change going on um, unfortunately, God rest his soul, Jim Weaver, the former AD before Witt was, was sick. And we knew he didn't have much time left. And there was a lot of different people retiring, different people being shifted around. And, you know, at the end of the day, man, um, it, it left some loopholes. And Witt talked about this when he jumped on our second series of the Zoom call. But I think also, and you talked about this, and I've said this on Twitter, and I've said this even on other podcasts and radio shows, winning is the ultimate medicine. And you combine a few underachieving seasons, the disconnect between the alumni, players that alum, former football player alumni felt they should have been getting recruited, you know, from their cities and areas. That all combined to make it a big time beef. And it wasn't so much they were anti-tech. It was just they felt shunned. Um, you're talking about guys from my era, the late 90s, the, the early 90s, the late 80s, and even the 2000s. Um, there were just a lot of guys that just felt like, you know what, I love my school, I love tech, but I don't feel welcome. And it, it, it just got to be more of a problem because social media, and we all know this, is a very powerful tool. And what you saw was a lot of guys started speaking out. Um, you know, 
guys from the Brendan Hill, D'Angelo uh, era. You know, then you had guys from my area, Andre Kendrick, Ike Charlton, you know, Antonio Banks. Guys were just getting on Twitter and pointing fingers. And a lot of the stuff they were saying was respectable because I got both sides. And I'm a solution-focused person. But at the same time, I was even frustrated because, you know, I had reached out. I wasn't just one of those guys that was going to say something and not reach out. I reached out, but it was just one of those things where we didn't feel like we were being heard. Even guys like Derek Smith, who played alongside me, he was a former Washington Redskin. And, you know, he came out with a letter to the Collegiate Times, a letter to an open letter about how he went back with his wife and daughters and he couldn't even get into the locker room or to the indoor practice facility that was built at the time that's still fairly new. Um, and it was just a lot of different things coming out and it was, it wasn't good for the program. Um, and then of course, you know, other guys just beginning to speak out and say, well, I wouldn't send my son to Virginia tech. And it was a, it was bad. And, um, something needed to be done. And, you know, I know when I was asked, I saw, you know, message boards can always be a tricky place. I was asked, about it and I'm an honest person I wanted I didn't want to see anybody get fired I didn't want to see anybody it wasn't the you know the pitchforks and fires it was more so like how can we solve this but I think some fans took my response as another thing is we just want you know statues and and and, and rows of hotel rooms reserves and tickets overflowing and women and champagne to be and- fair some people t- people that is their expectation to be fair yeah yeah. but those guys those guys and i'm gonna tell them i'll tell them to their face those guys will never be pleased okay the guys that say well at tennessee they get this at miami they get this those kind of players that play their tech they're going to never be satisfied you know those are the same guys some of them are my teammates you know if we ate at back then the farmhouse the steak wasn't good enough it's always going to be something um and this is the reality and i get it i mean you know, I worked with Kevin Jones closely when he was with Babcock Special Assistant before he went on the left tech to do his his business. And, you know, we were working. It was always we were working with different guys. I worked alongside Chad Beasley as well. He was working with Wit to get some stuff in place, but we couldn't come with anything concrete. And, and for those listening, they might want to know, well, what were some of the things you guys wanted? Well, it was a place to convene before and after games, a tailgate area, a ticket allotment system instead of just calling up there trying to scramble, a true ticket allotment system where guys can say, hey, can I get this many tickets for this game? Can I get better seats? Or how do I get tickets for me, my wife, or me and three of my guys or whatever? Also, guys wanted to be able to have access. If I come down, how can I be on the sideline or how can I come to practice? And there was no clear systematic approach in place. And it was just, it was just a mess. And it was always, well, talk to this guy, talk to that guy, you know. And I think over time, it got really bad. And then eventually, you know, Bud Foster stepped up. Daryl Tapped and I had a lot of talking right before he left. He had a plan in place. And as you mentioned, um, off air, Sam, who's the new director of player engagement, just came into tech. It's starting to now come together where there's a plan in place. But to be very transparent, um, it was it was ugly. And and you have and Twitter's a crazy place, man, because when you tweet stuff and you know you get on Instagram, Facebook, well, Instagram's more pictures, but even then, conversations on the comment section. Everybody just was like, Oh, this is terrible. Even UVA does this and Duke does this, and those are inferior programs. 
And it was tough, man, because it got to the point I would be asked about that every time I tweeted something. Hey, are they treating you now? How are they treating you? How are they treating you? Are you getting what you need? And I just wanted to talk football or just talk about tech. But at the same time, I get it. Once you open that door, people want to know what's up, man. So it, it, it had been going on for quite some time. And when I say quite some time, again, I want to stress the player engagement, alumni relations for former football players goes back to Beamer's last few years. And, it, you know, and this is something a lot of guys were dealing with because you got to think about, and you know this, Billy, you're part of the same community I am. The former player community is big. Um, you know, the one thing I had going for me is the fact that I'm highly respected from the new and the old. So I became that person that a lot of guys were voicing frustrations to, like even during games, like people were DMing me. And I was like, hey, man, I don't have that power. I'm just, you know, that guy that I do a little media work and I'm just trying to make this thing better. But it was pretty rough, man. And, and, and it, needed to be, it needed to be addressed. I think something on that note um, that I was surprised by and kind of want to get your take on is on the first meeting and, I, and which you, from what you've told me, it happened again on the second meeting um, was uh, Mr. Whip Babcock actually got on there um, and took ownership for a lot of this stuff, uh, whether it, it preceded him or kind of stuff that was thrown on his plate. Um, he 100% took responsibility, talk, talked about things that were not doing well, things that actual tangible action items that were implementing to fix it. Uh, what was kind of your reaction when it wasn't just, Hey, here's an event. Here we go. It was more so saying, no, first and foremost, this is what we've done wrong. And here's how we're going to fix it. You know what, man? I've been around with. I met with for the first time at the military bowl. I had a sideline pass back when I was actively writing for two four seven sports VT school, and we talked. And then I talked to him again. I was on the sideline for a similar situation covering tech for the Ohio State game in Blacksburg. We talked again. I like with a lot. Um, you know, people will do some funny stuff with it. You know, I'm talking. And they'll tag in a response, Wit and everybody. I'm like, please don't do that. I don't, I'm, if I want to talk to Wit, he follows me. I can call and DM Wit. But I wasn't surprised as much as I was excited to see Wit jump on my Zoom. I heard about the first one, but the one I saw as I was the moderate, moderator and host was that he talked about the same things I just described to you. The issues, the lack of responses, the misses the mistakes, the poor choices. And it, and, you know, I will say this, there were a lot of who's who on the call with me and it wasn't even everybody, but guys like Ronya Whitaker, he said, you know, um, I was one of those guys as Whit mentioned in his, you know, opening statements, Whit stated that, you know, a lot of guys, you know, former players, because you didn't know. So you went off assumptions and you made assumptions and made statements. And it was just a lot of misinformation because no one really knew what, what, what the reason was or why things were happening. And Ronyel Whitaker, as we ended, because there was a question and answer comment section at the end where guys could talk openly. You know, Ronyel Whitaker, for your listeners who may be a little bit younger, was an All-American cornerback from um, Norfolk. And he uh, went on to the NFL, also went into NFL Europe. He talked about, I'm, I'm glad. I feel much better about where we're going right now because I was one of those guys that made assumptions. And that talked about things, not knowing everything, but you left it up for us to figure it out and make assumptions. So Witt in his opening statements filled that gap. And he did, you know, sometimes you know this, Billy, and your listeners know this. Um, you can get on something and say, well, I heard this, or I know why they don't do this. is because Fuente is looking for this job, or they don't like us, but they don't care nothing about us. 
But here's the thing that we talked about. He said, no, we're not a football school, but don't get it twisted. Football is our bread and butter and it's our best, it's our biggest program. And he also talked about how he wants to win. He wants to get tech not only back to even exceeding to where we once were, but he also talked about how if we didn't care, we wouldn't have up to, I believe he said 15 former players within the athletic football program working in the football staff. And I was like, damn, I knew about JC and Pearson Prelo and Jack Tyler. But then I said, dang, it's a lot. You know, uh, Chung Sun is up there. And I was like, when he said that, it kind of resonated with everybody. You've got to remember, man, this is a call with Brian Randall, Michael Vick, um, a lot of guys that your listeners grew up watching or saw in recent years or know of. So Wick came in and he and it wasn't even, you know, Wick smooth. It wasn't even, it wasn't just political talk. It wasn't fluff where, you know, we care about you. We want you back. It was very adamant, clear and concise of where the problem started, how they need to be handled and what the plan is. And it was still consistent and welcoming. So when Virginia Tech first reached or the football program first reaches out to you, obviously, you know, you're very well known on the timeline. People care about what you have to say and you you have a relationship with the football program, but it seems like it's taken a turn. You're going to be a lot more involved. There's some awesome stuff going on here. How did they first reach out to you? How did those conversations go and how did they come to putting this together? Um, From what I know, um, Daryl Tapp, Jay Ham, Coach Justin Hamilton, um, Pearson Prelo, J.C. Price, a lot of guys that play with me or know me from even um, when I was done playing, um, they were like, hey, Sam, and, and, and to the staff, you guys need to talk to Dwight Vick. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, man, because I have a unique relationship where I know and Eric Kumar, the former tech guy that transferred, you know, uh, Ricky Walker, Tim Settle, Greg Stroman, um, CJ Rivas. Uh, a lot of guys um, know me and they knew me when they were being recruited. Even a few guys there now, little, little Stroman. And then you have the guys from the 90s and the 2000s that know me, Tyrod Taylor, Jonathan McLaughlin, um, so many guys that know me. So Wyatt Teller, you know, um, he was at my football camp and I, I don't want to say it was my decision, but I kind of swayed him to Tech because he was a UVA lean. He also rocked the number 57, the legendary number at Tech. (laughs) But all jokes aside, it was one of those things where I think word got back and it was like, you know, when Sam was doing her due diligence, talking to a lot of former players and also consulting with Daryl Tapp, from what I was told, my name kept coming up when she talked to a lot of former players, the Chad Beasley's of the world, different people who were like, hey, if you're going to do this right, get Dwight Vick involved, which is very humbling and an honor to me because I do recognize my platform. I do recognize that I'm rational. I can be pissed off when we lose and I've been hot and I've been frustrated. But I, as a player and as a man now, I'm not going to trip and make it personal. You know, I'm not, you know, and it, it's fine. I, I got a lot of homies out there on Twitter that will, you know, I'm in the threads and I get it. And I, I respect their insight. And, you know, just because they didn't play, they have a right to say what they say. It's just that I'm always about, okay, how can we get this right? And I, I love tech. It's the only program I emotionally invest in and even financially. So for me, it was just one of those things where Sam is, I don't know her last name, but I just met her a few months ago, uh, maybe four months ago. She reached out to me via tech. She got my number from Daryl Tapp. Daryl Tapp first reached out to me and we were getting ready to meet. He drove to Northern Virginia to meet with me and Derek Smith. 
ironically, which never happens, I overslept. So I couldn't meet with Daryl Tapp. Then he called me and he was like, hey, man, um, I need to link up with you. So we're going to we're talking and texting and DMing about different ideas and how to get this thing right. And then he takes the job at San Francisco. I'm like, oh, well, it's not going to happen now. It's whatever. I just, and then, just, just to jump in, I, I think that was the general sense for a lot of people was when he first took that role. It was like, oh, man, like that was our one shot to kind of yeah, yeah, tie things yeah. together. He's yeah. gone. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen here. And, um, yeah. and yeah, so I, that you weren't the only not. one that was feeling that way. I was like, well, here we go. And again, even if it didn't happen, I was not going to stop supporting tech, but I just wanted to be able to engage with them the way we've been doing it now. And I wanted something to happen. And then all of a sudden, Sam, um, she moved, she's married. I think she moved from Chicago or whatever she was, or maybe at Miami. I don't know where she was at, but she came to tech and she's a new player engagement person. And she reaches out to me and says, hey, do you mind talking to me? I got your number from Daryl Tapp and a few other people. Let's chop it up and talk about how we can get this thing right. And then um, I call her. I'm excited about it because I'm like, you know what? Sometimes it takes a neutral person, someone who doesn't have that long history. Like, you know, I've been around the program for 20 years. And she came in very positive. And she was like, yo, you come very highly recommended. Uh, from a lot of people. And I was like, for real? She was like, yeah. I was like, okay, cool. And she was like, how can we do it? So she starts talking to me. And then she slides this in. She was like, and you can be the moderator. <laughs> and I was like, wait, you like the host? She was like, yeah, you can be the host. And I was like, okay. Well, she's like, I hear you have a podcast and you've done broadcasting. And I was like, yeah. So then we started planning the format and how to do the outline and how we should run it. And it was kind of like a whole production direction type thing about how we're going to do it and run it. And she told me Whit was going to jump on maybe. And of course he did. Um, and she talked about, you know, it was going to be with the former players who on the coaching staff or affiliated with the program currently. And um, she just reached out to me, man, Billy, and it was cool. And uh, it, it went well, man. Like we talked, I mean, we was talking like every other week, man. It was like, like a job because, you're trying to get a lot of guys together. You're trying to figure out how to make it right where it's not corny or manufactured. And you're trying to do it where guys feel appreciated. But I mean, honestly, you saw my tweet. It, it was a flat out success, like straight up. And it wasn't whack. It wasn't guys left feeling really good. My only disclaimer, and I mean, this is anyone that's involved in any kind of business deal or decision or anything is you got to keep it going. Um, and that's what I want to help with. Lord willing, this COVID thing for bigger reasons gets contained and everyone gets vaccinated because I think the momentum will really pick up if we can do this in person and get back at the campus and see all these new facilities they have and all the different things. But you just got to keep it going. But other than that, man, like guys felt respected. And um, during the presentation, it was uh, really cool because we actually did a dry run with me as a host with just the coaches before we did the live one. And I got a chance to meet Coach Corn. And, you know, no matter what year you're talking about, it's just it's going to be this way. Quarterbacks at Virginia Tech and really all colleges and offensive coordinators will always be criticized. You know, Tech has always been known for its defense, lunch pill D, now hard, smart, tough. It's always been, oh, the offensive coordinator, blah, blah, blah. But I will say this, you know, finally meeting Coach Corn and talking to him, and then during the live one when he talked about offense and his philosophy and and things and why guys didn't play. And same thing with Jay Ham. They told us as players, 
the behind the scenes stuff. Like it was really refreshing to know why. Like I didn't know they were down to 12 scholarship players for that one game. I, I think it was against UVA that guy can't. I was like, bro, people are like, oh, you could go. Now when you hear that, the transparency helps. And that's the one thing I think with this staff, they're finally starting to realize, well, this regime, because some of the staff members are new, is that, and, and I'm sure Grayson would tell you this, the benefit that Beamer had is we felt we knew Steinspring, Foster, Coach Wiles, and the other guys. We knew them because we saw them and we heard from them at press conferences. So knowing and hearing from these guys like Jay Ham, and I know Justin, I know Jay Ham really well, but hearing these guys talk to us as guys that's been in that locker room, it was just really, really cool. And for the old school listeners, um, it was even cool to hear Whit Babcock talk about now when you come to the tunnel, it's small changes that mean a lot. Now in the tunnel, as you've been through and I've been through, Billy, when you go and walk through, you see all the people on the side of the wall that have graduated and lettered at Tech. They now have everybody that's actually played at Tech, including the guys from the Dooley era, you know, Coach Dooley's team. So that was a big plus. It's just small things they're doing now, man. And they even put their information in the chat and they were like, hey, you know, J.C. Price and Corn Nielsen and, and Jay Han were like, here's my number. You guys got some ideas? Call me, text me, come to the office, sit down with me. And I'm like, bruh, thank you. Now, for those guys, <laughs> now some guys think they know everything because everybody's a GM and a coach on Twitter. Yep. All I want to do is just see this program win and do well, man. I ain't trying to coach. I can coach, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be involved at that level. I just think the open door mindset was a big success with a lot of guys that want to be part of the program. You know, I have a and again, I've caught a lot of heat for this. I obviously have an affinity uh, to Coach Fuente and the, and the staff and everybody else because a lot of the times when when things would go a certain way, I know why they're going that way, or I or I know what what the thought process is. And my longstanding kind of opinion on things that haven't gone well um, in the last few years have been PR, opening it up, getting to talk to these guys, and finally having. You know, because if you listen to, if you talk to Greg Stroman, Isaiah Ford, Joey yep. Sly, any of the guys yeah. that played under Coach Fuente or no Coach Cornelson or no Coach Vice or any of these guys, they're like, yeah, that's my guy. I love that guy because they've had yeah. sweat equity and time spent with them. Now, you're not going to have the practices and the meetings and everything else, but just getting in front of them, hearing them talk, hearing them go over what's what's going on in this season, I think that's that's monumental coming up here in the, in the season, like things that you know, I think not we're mi- well, they, straight up. They were misses and things that we could do better. We got to hear from the coordinators a little bit more during the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause every time you get out there and it's, it's kind of sad to watch every time you have a performance or something goes wrong, it's coach Fuente a- answering a million questions about stuff. And, you know, you don't really have any insight into anything else. You don't know these coordinators. You don't know these other position coaches. You're like, do these guys even care about tech? Do they like tech? Do they know what's going on? So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No doubt. I think that really, really helps to bridge the gap. And from a from a player engagement perspective and a fan perspective, the video they just put out of Coach Vice and the offensive line, like the unfiltered, like let's see how they're interacting with the players. Um, they even had the. I was surprised they put this in there. The UNC part where they're talking about the the uh, put it up on the billboard when they have their practice rolling out in there in helmets. That's the stuff people want. That's the stuff that makes you like and care for these people. And you're not just rooting for a logo. You're rooting for the players. You're rooting for the success of the staff. And I think that's the biggest gap that needs to be bridged. And we're making moves yeah. in that direction. 
Yeah, no vice vice that 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 video of him, I, I I watched it six times. I mean, like I was like, I would love to play for him. And you're right about Strowman, um, because that's my guy. Like, you know, I asked G, you just before you and I met, you know, we knew each other on Twitter, but before we, you know, we made and, li- and linked up, I asked him, I was when he was playing, I was like, yo, how's Fuente? And he was like, that's my guy, man. Like, and so I I've always felt that, you know. Man, if we could just know them and and know what's going on, and hear from them in a way, it's still not going to make everyone happy because people want to win. But I think when you have a better insight of of what's going on as far as who they are and what they're thinking, and even why you know someone may not be playing, it helps for perception and branding. Now in today's world, whether it's your podcast or Victory Life or even AAU, you know stuff I'm affiliated with or Virginia Tech or Clemson, whatever. You gotta have branding. It's different, and that's why I don't really like to compare everything to my day because we didn't have to worry about branding. Even though technically, with the Beamer Ball, you know, mantra and the Lunch Pail D, you had two iconic brands in college football. But ultimately, if you're going three eight and one or whatever, it doesn't matter because no one cares. The ultimate branding was winning, and I think that if Tech can get back on track this season, get some momentum going. And then you have the player engagement taken off the way it could, and hopefully it will. You can you can have a you can have a lot of momentum moving forward, not just with social media presence, but with relationships and also you know kids in VA. Because if you got former players, especially the younger former players um, that are still connected to high schools and they're still iconic figures, then it helps with recruiting. You know, I have a voice. But like I always joke, I know youngins listen to me, you know, the, the 16 and 17 year olds and they respect me, but they call me OG. You know, I'm, I'm Uncle D. I'm Uncle Vic. You know, I have insight and they respect me. But I think if you are more of a younger player who just played like people your age and younger, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. They still rock with tech because that's what it's about. You know, the, those dynamics at play. And that's what I think. Again, it's not going to happen in one month. And it's not going to happen with three Zooms calls, but I do think they really get it now. You can tell by what they're saying and what they're trying to do. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and uh, just for context, there is a third Zoom call coming up uh, with Coach Fuente. He'll be engaging, talking with folks, answering questions. Uh, super excited about that one as well. Um, and just to kind of cap some of the other stuff that's going on this offseason, for me, I, I'm going to be honest – and I'd love your thought, your thought, just so it's not me saying fluff, positive stuff. I'd love to hear your take. I think this is the best off season that we've had um, in this, in this regime so far from obviously the player engagement stuff has been great. We've had the weight room renovation. We've had the, uh, the player, the player lounges being renovated, the dining halls being re- renovated and a little wrinkle again, that I loved about the weight room uh, being redone is it was in honor of coach Gentry who I had the pleasure yeah. of working with for two years Uh, and an absolute just icon and an incredible teacher. And I learned so much from him in the two years that I was, that I was uh, working with him. Um, And that's a little wrinkle that, and a little gap that, you know, people were like, oh man, they're not paying respect to to before, but that was a little wrinkle um, that I think was a good step uh, in the right direction. I'll say this. It's been a great off season because you don't, for the first time, we don't have any drama. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't no have any. Rest. Yes. So you're not right. not not some not some weird player internet, you know, transfer portal. We like, man. Again, I don't know Hazelton's situation, and it could have been something with him and Fu- um, Coach Fuente talked about. But it's perception, and then he left. Well, we don't have like 
you know, is Coach Fuente leaving or, you know, these three guys on Twitter going at him, that kind of stuff. Again, I get it. It happens everywhere, but this is our team, our program. So when you could just be about football and the depth chart and momentum and, and the schedule, that's what you want. The only thing I've heard negatively when people come at me, not come at me negatively, but ask questions or complain is the fact that we're not having a spring game and it's not televised. Um, look, I'll just say this and people can get mad at me or say, man, Vic, you tripping. But at the end of the day, um, I love coming to tech for the spring game, but it's never been because of the game, though. Like, let me let me let me just say this. I play game. If you think the spring game is going to get recruits and get people hyped, you don't know football. I'm sorry. And I know the spring game is vanilla. It's the backups. The stars play a little bit. They jump off because they don't want to get hurt. It's usually boring. It's for tech. It's more so a glimpse. Okay, let me see this back of a quarterback because I do enjoy seeing the story of the up and coming new faces. But the, in today's game, they they shortened the practices since I played. Um, you're not going to see anything. I don't know how many times I've been at the spring game in person with fifty thousand fans getting ready for the party that night, you know, or just trying to make sure I'm awake because I had a long night the night before trying to see what's going on, linking up with my old teammates. And then every now and then you see somebody catch a slant and pick up 17 yards. Like, oh, yeah, who is that kid? Oh, yeah, he's from Massaponics so or he's from New Jersey. But, you know, at the same time, my folks on Twitter that rock with me, that disagree with me, I get it. You know, Clemson is the standard and Dabo is the brand in himself. And, but comparatively speaking, I don't think the spring game being played this year was going to do much for Virginia Tech. Um, because I'm going to tell you what would it do, right? If we play and we show the spring game, you're going to have a contingency of fans on the left saying, man, we're going to suck this year. And you're going to have a contingency on the right saying, man, we're going to go 10 and 2. It's not, so what? It's just going to be the same thing. The only way to, to get people on your side is to win. And to be honest with you, I've said this many times. If you on that coaching staff and you're a player, you have to ignore everybody on these threads and on Twitter and lock in and get ready for UNC, West Virginia and the, and the ACC Coastal. Mm -hmm. you know, that's it. You know, you know? <laughs> I, I'm with you. I, and and I don't, I'm glad you brought up the spring game. That was my next question. A couple things on the spring game. First and foremost, I don't know this for a fact. I, 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 I strongly believe that the spring game decision was made higher than probably coach Fuente higher than probably Mr. Babcock. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Let me chime in. Okay. Were you, there, 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 there's some, I, I'm not going to confirm it, but you're on to something. I know this. So mm -hmm. it's not, I think that's the thing about person. Oh, you know, he don't want to smoke. And that's not, I don't think that was a football decision, dude. No. I'm just agreeing with you. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know people too. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. It's just the biggest problem though was the optics of the whole thing. You announced you're not playing the spring game. My opinion, which should have happened, we're not playing the spring game, but here's five other things that we're going to do. And they've done other things, but the original announcement, I think, A, should have came from the university, not the football team. And B, you should have announced, hey, by the way, we're doing this offensive line and three other position groups video thing. Because um, the social media deal is the biggest thing. But in terms of what the spring game is for players, um, and you know this, you're running 6 to 10% of your playbook it's a great opportunity for younger guys to get out there um, and experience playing in Lane Stadium in front of a crowd. But all of the work and all of the 
you know, building that's done to what is the team going to be this next year are in the four previous scrimmages and are in the 18 previous practices. Mm -hmm. And just as excited as everybody else is to go hang out and see everybody after the spring game, the players are that excited too. <laughs> they're they're yeah. counting down the, the minutes yeah. of the clock to, to hang out and, and be a normal student for the end of the spring. I, um, yeah, yeah, I think so. too, to add to what you're saying, Billy, I think, again, I talked about this with my podcast with Danny Noakes and, uh, and the young Noakes, Andy Noakes' his brother. I think it was the timing of it all because the day they announced it, Governor Northam was mm -hmm. having his press conference announcing they were loosening the COVID-19 restrictions throughout the state of Virginia. So it was like, you can have more people now and this, that, whatever. And people were like, man, y'all tripping and this is stupid and we suck again. And again, I get it because in fairness to the people that want the spring game, you know, and, and feel like it can help with branding and recruiting and exposure. There are some valid points there, but ultimately I just think, and, for, and this is just speaking from experience, I was part of building Virginia Tech, a big part, you know, I hosted some of your favorite players, you know, the Sharon Stitts, the Ronya Whitakers, the Michael Vicks, the Lee Suggs. I hosted them. I was there when Virginia Tech was an afterthought. They were probably behind JMU and in, in, in Liberty and other schools when I chose Tech over other programs that were better at the time. You build the program by winning in the fall. Mm -hmm. you, you can talk about, and again, social media and perception, you can come up with quotes and hashtags. But you got to win, dog. Like at the end of the day, you got to win in September, October, November, December. You got to win games. And, and if Tech wants to build it, because they're going to have always have that passion of fan support because of what it stands for with Hokie Nation. But I, I, I've been I've been at the spring game. I, I was a, a color analyst. I was the uh, I was the color analyst in 2014 in the booth on ESPN three. And I was there and it was it was forty nine thousand plus people there. And we had a great turnout just back when Mark Leo was there and Motley. And we went six and six that year. What else on that note, too? Two things. One, Governor Northam rel relaxes the restrictions. The town of Blacksburg doesn't even recognize those relaxed restrictions, which is mm -hmm. one thing. And the other thing is, I think the spring game is beneficial if the if there are kids that can come to campus um, yeah. and enjoy it. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, like, Demetrius Davis and that recruiting class last year, not being able to come to the spring game, meet each other, uh, talk about, you know, the time that they're going to be at Virginia Tech, be on the field. That hurt us last year, um, mm -hmm. not being able to have the spring game. But people were out here saying, like, you know, if we can't have if we can't have recruits, like if we televise the game, recruits would be tuning in to watch there. I'm just going to be honest with you. There is no recruit that is turning on ACC Network on their Saturday to watch our spring game and then basing their decision off of watching our, you know, half halfway telecasted uh, spring game. That's just not going to happen. Not happening, dude. I, I, again, I'm telling you, uh, um, I was involved. You know, I know with a lot of guys that even didn't choose Tech, Jalen Holmes, Deshaun Hand. You know, I mentioned the guys I hosted. I was involved with Stroman and those guys, Wyatt Teller. You get guys by winning. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's the relationships, the atmosphere. And some guys, even if you are winning, they're not going to choose you. I mean, UNC, I get it. Mac Brown, charismatic, you know, historically great coach. The support um, staff, Ray Bly, that whole yeah, group. Yeah, but, but at the end of the day, even, even you can look back into the, you know, 2014s and 2016s and 2013s, there were guys choosing UNC when UNC was under investigation. Yeah. Because of Jordan Brand, the Carolina Blue, and the basketball program. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes guys are just not going to be tech guys, man. Um, and the funny thing about that, UNC, I tell people it again, but I know I'm the OG. UNC has been getting guys from Virginia since the Ronald Curry days, yeah. National Gatorade Player of the Year in football and basketball. They uh, got Lawrence Taylor, one of the best players of all time in college and NFL history. And, 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 and Ron Springs, who is Sean Springs' father, they're all from Tidewater. Dre Daz Newsom, who was on my podcast last night, he mm-hmm. told me why he chose UNC. He, he, he told me straight up, he didn't think Meg Brown was that guy. And he got there and he loved it and he loved the atmosphere. And MJ Stewart hosted him and he just fell in love with the UNC mantra. At the end of the day, man, it's not going to sway people. Winning is. And being back and having a product on the field that you can show recruits, you can be successful in. And then again, it sells itself. And you know, I, 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 but again, I don't really engage in a debate in the back and forth because I respect other guys' opinions about why we should have had it, and I get it. But at the same time, I was like, man, whatever. <laughs> it's not even, you know. Um, I think there's been a few spring games. Like I said, I went for 17, 18 years straight, and there were some spring games where I was like, wow, this is really good. Like they're opening it up. But then I realized, okay, um, you had, you know, I remember Michaela Farley. And I was talking to Bud Foster after the game about him. And I was like, man, me and my son were there. My son was much younger back then. He's, he's, he's going to be 15 now. And we were like, oh, that guy's a beast or whatever. But he ended up tearing his knee, right? And, and Foster hinted to me then when he had that great spring game at receiver. He was like, yeah, yeah, D, he probably won't be there much longer, though. And I was like, what? He's, he, we need to put him at receiver. He made plays. He was like, eh. And they said, no, he became an all-world corner. So it's, it can be misleading, man. I think fans are thirsty because the people that are boisterous, even the former football players that I mentioned, what it comes down to is it's just passion for your program. Um, it's actually a good thing that people speak out about tech, even though sometimes they may be misguided or emotional. It's just because they care about the program. Um, and I just think sometimes I've been labeled the voice of reason or someone that's really rational. It's because I've, I've learned in time that everything what you see isn't what it really is. And you have to sometimes take a step back and say, let's see how this plays out, you know, or let's see, okay, is, is it really that bad, you know? And then because we fixate so much on our program, you talk to guys, you know, <laughs> at the Penn State to the world and other schools, they're, they're frustrated too. You talk to a Miami fan. They want their coaches fired every year. <laughs> I mean, because they really only have one division title since they joined the ACC and I think they've only in the, in the last 12 years only have two bowl game wins so their standard is higher than Virginia Tech's so it's just about perception Dwight I think you hinted on something that that I've probably come to realize here lately in the last few months is my approach has always been you know I, I I've kind of spoken down to people a little bit um when when they did when they believe the other way when in reality, the, the back and forth and everything else is actually positive because that's what invokes actual change. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always combated people that may be on the other fence of, oh, well, I know you don't. So that's just <laughs> the way that it is. And that's not, that's not the way to go about it. Um, even, even though you know I do have a little bit more insight into this current staff and it's going to take opening the doors a little bit to bring people back around. Um, you know, I've definitely come to realize that being more open to having conversation rather than just kind of barking at one each other, that's not, that's not going to get anything done. And it's going to push that person further to that end. It's going to push me further to my end. So I think, uh, I think the dialogue is, is, is most important. 
Um, I would ask you then, you know, what is, what is your message to former players or even fans um, that are not optimistic, are over it, uh, don't want to attend these Zoom meetings or whatever? What is your message to, to folks that may be on that side? You know what? I, I, that's a, actually a, a great but yet tough question. Um, I, I think I don't really have a message as far as trying to convince them to change their opinion or their tune. I just think it's more so about if you love the program, you can support the program, but you don't have to force yourself to to like, you know, Coach Fuente or Justin Hamilton. But those kids deserve our support because for the former players, you were once them. And I remember we got our asses kicked in the Gator Bowl in 1997 against Mac Brown and Dre Bly. I played against Dre. He's from the 7-5 like me. And we were a beat up team. Um, it was we were we were beat up. We were down to our emergency quarterback, Nick Sorensen, and we're playing against, I think, um, 11 first and second rounders in a UNC defense. I mean, you're talking about UNC shouldn't have been, been in the Gator Bowl. We finished second in the conference that year in the Big East back then. And we were seven and four and we had lost three out of our last four, you know, a bad loss to UVA. And we limped into the offseason. I mean, limped into the postseason. And Carolina was only in that bowl because back then only one team could go to what they called the BCS or Alliance Bowls back then. And Florida State beat UNC, so they got the number one bid. And UNC was uh, 10 and one, and we were seven and four. Back, I even told my girlfriend then, now my wife, don't come. <laughs> I knew we were not going to win. I said, don't come to Jacksonville. I told my mom, my dad, all my friends, it's not going to be pretty. Because we just, I knew. and But at the same time, I wanted that support because it's, it's special to know that despite your issues, it, you know, insufficiency, you know, you know, offense or whatever it is, whatever your issue is, the fans still care. And Tech showed up that day and we got blown out on NBC, 42 to 3. It was ugly. And I remember going against Ebenezer Ekubon, Vonnie Holiday, Greg Ellis. Um, I mentioned Dre Blah, and they were loaded. And I remember just how we felt and how, you know, going back to campus and how fans, this is before Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, people were like, you guys suck. You know, y'all drove off, flew down there to embarrass yourself. I mean, you know, back then they said it to your face because there was no Twitter. And then the following year, we ranked 14th in the country. And I've talked about this many times about – you know, Tech, one of the worst upsets. To me, it is the worst upset in college football history. Still worse than Liberty, because Liberty was good. Temple beat us. Um, we were ranked 14th in the country on homecoming. And we were 17-0. I remember there's a picture of me. I still have saved. It was on the collegiate times. I'm on the bench, and I got tears in my eyes. And it just talked about, you know, how, you know, it was awful. And ESPN at the time, and it's still, Sports Illustrated still calls it one of the worst upsets in college football history. And I remember how the fans trashed us. And again, you've heard many times about the 95 season, you know, starting off 0-2 with Miami coming into play. And I remember the boos, and we lost at home 16 up in Cincinnati. And we were 0-2 with one of the best teams in tech history, which we eventually became that year. But it, it was hard listening to people trash us. But it was part of the criticism you get when you're losing. But ultimately, part of the run we had was we believed in each other 
and we believed in our coaches. And we also still had a lot of people that still came to games that following week we played Miami. It was still sold out. And we're playing Ray Lewis. And the following year after losing embarrassingly to Carolina, we opened up against East Carolina and we won 38 to three. And that year in September against East Carolina started the sellout streak that Virginia Tech had for over 15 years. So the support and the success go hand in hand. I would just tell fans, look, man, you're going to have your grievances. You're going to have your complaints. But part of Virginia Tech football is Hokie Nation. You're not going to agree with the play calls in the red zone. You may not like Coach Wente because he's not Dabo. You may feel like we need to run a different offense. But if you care about the program, you're still going to rock with it. I'm still going to carve out four hours off my Saturday to watch these guys play because I was once in that locker room. And I know how hard those guys work. I know what it's like to have a paper due and you want to go see a girl. You want to get on the sticks and play. You might want to go downtown, but you got your responsibilities. And if you care about the program, that's my message to fans and my guys that are former players, man. Don't let your personal grievances or frustrations allow you to miss out. If you think we're going to go and only get five wins, that's fine. But I always laugh when people will get online and talk, we're going to suck. Okay, well then, it costs you nothing. Pay it no mind. Go play golf. Go to Top Golf, dude. Grab you a beer. If you don't care, stop watching because you can't stop watching because you do care. And I get it. That's what frustrates you. But at the end of the day, man, I'm not saying be corny and be optimistic, but just understand that you're watching and you're tweeting and you're talking because you care about the program. So for the former players, if they invite us back again, and, and I'm sure they will, we have another Zoom call, jump on, you know, and see and see for yourself. Don't just keep asking me, what did they say? What was it like? You could have jumped on, you know, and to the fans, fans going to be fans, dude. You know, we got a great fan base. But every now and then I got to mute or block somebody, man. I get a lot of love from a lot of people. I've met some great people on social media in parking lots at bowl games. I mean, 90% of the people I've met, I meet are great. And every now and then I got to check somebody and just keep it moving. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I gotta so get better. I gotta get better at the. Uh, I gotta get better at the block mute button. I always, I always bite into it and uh, and kind of take and take and take bait. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take uh, take some notes from you. Um, yeah, that, it takes practice. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's a great answer. And uh, you know, we're coming up on time here. Um, sure. I want to take up one uh, question we got from Hokey Man. T- uh, we got, we got a couple questions from T 0 SM. I don't know how you pronounce that or whatever, but. Uh, Dwight, I know that you're coming back on with uh, with Grace and Pat and myself. These are a little bit more related to general questions about the transfer portal and the season coming up. I think okay. that'd be a better time to have that okay. one. Um, but uh, Hokey Man four two eight eight six wants to know: Is there's any possibility of you joining the program in a support recruiting role? I'll change that a little bit. Uh, how do you see your involvement? Um, with player engagement or the program in general moving forward? And what are some other areas of improvement that we need to uh, focus in on here? Oh, uh, I've been asking a lot the last couple of years, especially here recently. If that opportunity came, would I, if I could be involved, I'm a very busy person, married with three kids. My two oldest kids are working towards getting to where we were with scholarships and playing at the D1 level. Um, I have two businesses. But everyone knows my affinity and my love for Virginia Tech. I mean, it is what I mean, not just the football program. That's my school. You know what I'm saying? And um, would I take a role in some kind of ambassador where I would come and speak at fundraising and 
recruiting events in the 75 in Northern Virginia, where I reside for the last 20 years. I'm still a 757 guy. I'm a proud VA guy. Or even in D.C. and Maryland. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny. I never mentioned money because, of course, if it was a paid position, I would do it. But it's more so because I don't really care about that. Like, I just want the program to be great. I want to be able to say one day I've seen us win a national championship. I want that for Beamer and I want that for the current regime. Um, would I do it? Yeah. Um, and the second part of your question was, what do I see happening as far what, as what, what needs to happen? What are other areas for improvement uh, that you think we can get better at? Rela- uh, relation, relationships and transparency. Um, we got to get back, again, some of the schools I mentioned on previous podcasts about how we were a pipeline for Thomas Dale, Western Branch, Hampton High, Phoebus, Oscar Smith, um, Highland Springs. You know, you got to get back to having relationships. Some of those schools I mentioned aren't the dominant program anymore. I'm not going to get involved and say, oh, we got to, you know, you got to win your state, but you got to have relations. We got to get back to the high school coaches saying, you know what, if I send these three kids there, they're going to be taken care of. Because um, that's why we were able to create some create so many pipelines. I think um, I can't tell Fuente and Bo Davis and all those guys there, you know. But at the same time, Justin Hamilton, Daryl Tapp knew this. Pearson Prelo knows this. Jack Tyler knows this. And J.C. Price, who is going to be, and guys, I'm telling you, he already knows this. He's done it. He's a great recruiter. Relationships are important. That's my biggest thing. I'm not going to get into X's and O's about, you know, we got to get down to this state or we got to win this state or seven five or we got to get kids from Westfield or Florida. The formula that worked for Beamer is still a good formula, but, you know, Fuente's got to put his own stamp on the program. But I think the biggest thing that we're still not right where we need to be is relationships. I think when it comes to high school coaches, once you get to the point where they're like, hey, I'm going to send my, I got a guy for you. Um, you got to make sure that, you know, you have their trust. And I think, you know, that's, that's one of those things where people, I think, kind of mock the whole Texas to Virginia Tech movement because we had some guys that came in, then we had some guys decommit, and I think it kind of ostracized some in-state coaches. But that stuff can be repaired because I'm old enough to know, and some of your listeners that listen to you guys know, there was some beef even back in the day where people felt in the 757 that we weren't recruiting some of the guys the right way and they sent their guys to UVA. That stuff gets real political and there's a lot of theories on that. Ultimately, you have to have relationships with high school coaches and you got to have people like myself or people that care and that can advocate for your program when you're coaching and building and getting ready for a game. Because that's what you have. You know, people like J.C. Coleman. He's a great Virginia Tech ambassador. He's well-known. He's a guy I would recommend come speak. You know, a guy like Greg Stroman. Um, Of course, you know, you mentioned myself. There's other guys, too. Um, You know, Daryl Tapp is a charismatic person. But you got to get guys like that when you do different events to come back because fans still remember them. And also kids and young men. That's why I mentioned some of the younger former players can respect them and value their input and insight. But that's my answer for you, Billy, is relationships. You got to get back to that. And I think I think Tech is starting to realize that and they're aware of it because they're working on relationships with us. 
Right. This was great. It always is. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time on this Tuesday. I wanted to take a second just to uh, give you an opportunity. You've been killing it on the uh, on the on the uh, podcast game. I know you had both Beamers on. You had Coach Gentry on. Just where can we find it? What are some of the stuff that? What are some of the events that you have coming up? Hey, I got. I just finished doing a recording with Myron Newsom, Dion, and his other son Daz Newsom. It was funny. Um, but I appreciate you guys if you can support and subscribe to Victory Life, V-I-C-K-T-O-R-Y, Life on YouTube. Um, we got even other people on there. I mean, we don't all have tech. We have people from, you know, Terry Kirby from UVA, Ellen Brown. He went to UVA. But we have a lot of tech guys, man. Ronya Whitaker, Michael Vick, uh, Aaron Rouse, so many guys. Lisa Witherspoon, the Hall of Fame female basketball player. She was on there. But uh, I would appreciate the subscription and support because I don't, I just do that just to showcase their legacies. Shane Beamer and Frank was fun. Um, that was just such a blessing. So, you know, Victory Life is a movement, but it's also about giving back and helping the community. You guys know I'm also a licensed therapist amongst other things. So I'm into mental health and helping the youth and our families and you know throughout the Commonwealth, man. So if you can just support that. Again, the podcast is separate from that, but if you notice my theme with the podcast, it's a lot of people who not only were great athletes, but they're great people. And their stories are phenomenal. Cornell Brown was on there. J.C. Price was on there. I got some other special guests I'm working on. And, you know, I appreciate the support. Even some local high school coaches from Northern Virginia won their state championship winner. So I try to keep it diverse, you know, because I have other people that, that support me that aren't Virginia Tech Hokies, but respect what I'm doing. So, Billy, I appreciate you and your team for this platform. And I can't wait to get back on with the crew and run my mouth, and, you know, again. Yes, sir. I appreciate you so much, Dwight. You enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. It's time to wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. Love she said it is. Oh, I know it's what you're thinking.